by faith launch out and just talk to you out of my heart tonight about some things that uh, God's been dealing with me about. Now, when I say that, I don't really mean for you. I mean, he's been dealing with me about. <laughs> and, you know, if I need it, I kind of figure you need it. <laughs> if it helps me, I kind of figure it'll help you. Because one thing we all share is our humanity, right? We share our humanity and, and common experiences. And, uh, you know, I don't know near, I only know a part of the part. I don't know near what I need to know in any area, any subject. But I have been taught by God. I've been walking with Him since, oh, real faithfully, I, I think, for, well, since 1995, I would say. So that's, what, 24 years. And... Um, Again, like with all believers, he's endeavoring to get us to go into new places and be able to do more and grow us up. It's called discipleship, right? And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about thinking right about pressure. Thinking right about pressure. You guys ever deal with pressure? Yes, <laughs> do you like it? No. <laughs> it really doesn't matter what area. There's a big part of our makeup, right? that would just really rather not deal with, you know, pressure to any intensity or any level or any degree. But how many of you know it doesn't take a lot of faith, we're going to read scripture in a minute, John 16, to, to know and understand we're going to deal with it in this life. We're going to have pressure. And Jesus told us so. And let's read about it. I have my amplified translation. I want to read it out of that. It's the 33rd verse, John 16, 33. And uh, this will be a familiar verse to many of us, but I like how the amplified renders it. Jesus said, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace. Come on. Isn't that what the world's looking for? That's what I'm looking for. That we may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have tribulation. Now, of all the statements that Jesus made, that's probably one of the ones that takes the least amount of faith to buy into. Right? You know? Even Thomas gets this one. We pick on him a little bit. <laughs> right? Uh, we get this one. Because life's already taught us this. But until he comes back, until he changes the order of things... What are we going to get up and deal with tomorrow? Tribulation. The word tribulation here means trouble. Most of the translations I've studied or read renders it trouble. And it involves, and some translations will bring this out too, it involves pressure. It wouldn't be tribulation if there wasn't any pressure with it, right? And here, for God's people... It is important, let me just say as a disclaimer, it's very important that throughout this service you're not thinking about tribulation or trouble or pressure as sickness, disease, poverty, tragedies, calamities. Listen, those are things we are redeemed from. Amen? Amen? Now, if, if sickness knocks on the door, right? That's, that could bring pressure to your mind. It could bring, bring, a, bring pressure but God's not behind that. That's what you need to understand. And, and so we, you know, we, if sickness comes, I don't go, yeah, I just accept this. Jesus said I'm going to have tribulation. No, 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 no. That, I fight against the things, right? I totally resist and throw off and fight against the things that He substituted for me. He, he took that for me. He became poor that I might be made rich. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. That by His stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, Right? The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, right? So I don't need to be tormented, right? So we're not talking about those things, though if we encounter those things in life, of course there'll be pressure. But again, tonight's message is called Thinking Right. Thinking Right about pressure. And so he goes on and says, In the world you have tribulation and trials and distress. And can you identify with this word? Frustration. Frustration. But be of good cheer. Have you ever had a spiritual believer or someone come along and you're in trouble, under pressure, frustrated, and your wife comes along and says, cheer up. And you, don't, you know that's the right answer. 
know that's the right answer. But you don't want to hear that right then. Because you're, you're feeling that thing. Right? And it's affected your mind. And your emotions are under assault. And you want to cry. The last thing you want to do is just, oh yeah, cheer up. Right? But in those, listen, if we get the right answer from somebody, we need to, what, what I've learned I have to do is humble myself. When I hear the right answer. Because don't we all want the right answer? But isn't it interesting how the right answer sometimes will land so irritatingly on the flesh? Absolutely. But what did Jesus say? That, yeah, he said, listen, he said, in the world you're going to have pressure and trouble and trials and distress and frustration. Could I say, in it, in it all, be of good cheer. And I love how the Amplified amplifies it so we understand the meaning. Take courage. Take courage. Be confident. Be certain. Don't you like this word? Undaunted. Be undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of the power to harm you. Don't you love the word? Come on. I have unplugged that thing. I have deprived that, that thing. Whatever it is. If it's bringing pressure to your mind, to your life, if it's making you feel vulnerable or endangered or distressed, right? Jesus says, I want you to know from this day forward, I have deprived that thing of the power to hurt you. Come on, to harm you. And He goes on and says, and I have conquered it for you. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. What is Jesus doing here? He's helping us think right about trouble. He's helping us think right about pressure. We have to renew our minds to what He says. Y'all going to help me preach this? We need to renew our minds to this. Because if we, if we need to mix our faith with this, guys and gals. We need to tap into the power of these words. He said this to help us. He said this so that we would not forget when heat is on and when you're feeling it and your mind is under assault and your circumstances are bad and you don't see a way out and it looks like you're going under. Jesus said, be of good cheer. Now, how could we be of good cheer? I mean, are we just supposed to act like it's not happening? No, there's a reason why you can genuinely be cheerful under pressure. Why? why? There's got to be, right? Otherwise, we're just, it's Christian science and we're just, you know, it's mind control type stuff. We're just denying that and I'm just going to be of good cheer and act like that's not going on. No, there's a higher, more truthful reality and reason why you and I should be confident, sure, certain, undaunted, and cheerful in intense, right in the midst of intense pressure. Why? Because we know something. We know something. What do we know, church? We know He has deprived that he's deprived that so let's say it is sickness that's come against you and it's bringing pressure right remember be undaunted be certain certain of what of your healing of your healing don't wonder about it be certain be confident be cheerful because you know jesus has already deprived that sickness of its ability to harm your life and he's conquered it for you. What about it? What if it's a financial? Have you ever had finances put pressure on you? Oh my God. Hallelujah. A Amen. Well, in the midst of all of that, and stacks of bills, and the shuffle, and all the pressure, and the, all of that, what are we supposed to be? Cheerful. What did he say? Cheerful, confident, confident of what? It's going to be okay. 
We're coming out to the other side. Every need's going to be met. Every bill's going to be paid. All lost money will be restored. Right? To be certain. Don't you love the word certain? In other words, we don't have to... See, sometimes there's so much pressure when, we, when we're going from, yeah, oh, uh, and we're doing the yo-yo thing. But instead, we can be certain. Steadfast. Sure, we can be sure. You've been going through a long ordeal, for example, and the doctor comes in and says, I just did a test. There's, it's all healed. There, there's, all that cancer is gone. There's no cancer to be found. You go, are you sure? Right? Because you want to be sure. Did Jesus tell us? Did He give us permission in times of trouble and distress and pressure to live sure? He did. That ought to make you feel good, right? That ought to, right? That ought to, that's, that's worth your effort to get dressed and come church tonight. To hear these words. No matter what you're going through tonight. No matter what you're facing. No matter what pressure you will ever face. May the Holy Ghost remind you of what I revealed, right, of what I pointed out. You probably read it already. From God's Word, you could be sure. You could be sure that the Master, the Lord, Amen, deprived whatever that thing is of its ability to harm your life. And He's given you permission right in the midst of it. Before the feelings change, before the circumstances get worked out, right? To live by faith knowing, I'm sure, all is well. All is well. You could be like the Shunammite woman. When Gehazi said, what's wrong? Is everything okay? And there's her dead son on her donkey. And she says, all is well. Come on, all is that. Come on now. All is well. She was sure that in a few moments' time, God was going to work a miracle for her through the prophet. And of course, he did. Hallelujah. I like something the message translation says when you read this uh, verse. It says, in this godless world, you will continue to have difficulties. So, again, let me just say some things out of my heart that I hope will help you think right about pressure. Stop trying to live a life free of it. Right? Stop trying to get out of the ring of contest and get up into the bleachers of life. Stop that. You weren't meant for the nickel seat bleachers. You were meant to be in the arena. Winning. Hello. Some people's entire goal in life is not to work another day. Face one, one more financial pressure. They, right? They, they, they want to eliminate all stress from their life whatsoever. Listen. You're not going to upend what Jesus said. You are, as long as we're down here, right? And to, we're going to have difficulties. And so you, need, you and I need to think right about it. We just need to think, whatever difficulty I face today, I am fully equipped in Jesus to, to have victory over it, to win in the midst of it, and to bring victory for myself, fruit for the kingdom, and glory to my Father. So bring it on. That is called thinking right. Thinking right about pressure. Amen? Friends, the storms of life are going to come to all of us. The pressures of life are coming to all of us. Amen? When they do, the key is know how to tap into all that God has made yours. Amen? And win. David didn't run from his Goliath opportunity. He thought right about that pressure. Everyone else, including the king, was thinking wrong. Man, they were under the pressure of that giant's threats and his intimidating demeanor and his nine-foot size and his sword that was hundreds of pounds that few men could pick up. 
And they stayed in a ditch for a month and ten days, cowering in fear, when all the while any one of them, the least among them, could have risen up in Jesus' name, tapped into the God that belonged to them, and defeated Goliath. David was just the first one to come along that thought right. Can I say this? Who's going to have the greatest victories in life and for God? The people who think right. Instead of running away, say, I, don't want to, I don't want to encounter that pressure. They run to it instead of away from it because they know some things. They know God is for them, not against them. They know God's faithful and He won't fail them. They know God's bigger than whatever they're dealing with. <laughs> right? You've got to know some things. And you have to become established in these truths. Now, there's a couple of things I just, I'm not going to take time because it would derail me from other things I want to say in our limited time. But there are two great resources to tap into all that is yours. And I'll just give you the references. Number one is the comfort of the Scriptures. The comfort of the Scriptures. That is a phrase used in Romans chapter 15 and verse number 5. The comfort of the Scriptures will bring you expectation or hope, a divine hope. When you encounter pressures, Listen, can I just say, get in the Word. Run to the Word. Look to the Word. Feed on the Word. Tap into the comfort of the Scriptures. Amen? Then the other major category of all that belongs to you and I to help us overcome pressures and troubles and trials is the comfort of the Holy Ghost. That phrase, the comfort of the Holy Ghost, is used in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. So again, what kind of church is this? Word and Spirit. Why is that? Because God wants us to be Word and Spirit people. Not just people who are sticklers of the Word, but we don't know anything about the Holy Ghost. And we're not just flaky Spirit people who aren't grounded in the Word. But we tap into both. Because both are for us. Now I've had to learn as I've faced pressures. When I didn't have anybody to encourage me. I didn't have anybody available right then. To get into the pages of the Bible and to let those words strengthen me and refresh me and revive me and change my perspective and minister to me. We have time tonight. I'm going to share some of the more precious passages that I've gleaned in great times of pressure that that I've just pressed into, that have gotten me through. Uh, Amen. But you need to learn to do that. See, some people, it's unfortunate, and really it's a sign of spiritual immaturity, that when pressures come to a Christian, sometimes they throw off the very things. The pressure pushes them back from the very things that they need to press into the most. They neglect the Word. They neglect church. Right? They're under pressure. They're going through things. And, And you know, oftentimes I find out they're going through things because they disappeared. I'm not seeing them anymore. And I find out the reason I'm not seeing it is because they're under this great pressure. Well, they're doing the wrong thing. Instead of pressing into God in that thing, they're letting the pressure move them further out away from their divine help. Maybe we've all done that. Right? We need to learn. Listen, I've just made this decision. I'm not perfect. Oh my gosh, I've failed so many things. (laughs) Amen. But uh, I'm going to gather myself. And the more pressure, Satan, the more pressure you want to put on me, I'm going to press in. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to pray. I'm going to worship God more. I'm going to, I'm going to confess more. I'm going to, you're just going to drive me deeper into the presence of God. The more pressure you want to put on me. Just, just go right. Hallelujah. And you just kind of got to make up your mind about, uh, about your perspective and how you're going to live. Amen. Now I want to get into something that's already after eight. So let's, let's advance some things. And uh, the next thing I had on my notes uh, was, let me just give you a first step. You know, in, uh, in, in now pressures come in some form or fashion. Number one, first step, make sure that you are not the source of your adversity. <laughs> right? In other words, get out of your own way first. Now, I, I, I learned this step from Reverend Randall Greer. He has a series that he taught called Overcoming Adversity, Four Steps. He said, number one, make sure you're not the source of your adversity. 
How could you be your source of adversity? Well, a lot of times people face financial pressure because they did something goofy. They have wrong habits. They made bad decisions. They dug themselves a financial hole. Some people are sick for the very same reason. They don't learn to eat right. They don't learn to sleep. They don't learn to take care of their body. Well, hello, right? And a lot of times, you know, for me, it's the way Chris it becomes the source of his own difficulty is I opened a door for the devil to come through and attack my life through some reason. Most of the time, it's negligence and disobedience or spiritual laziness in some area. I was talking to Brother Paul in the back, and we've got a, a great Pyrenees, it, uh, well, not a great, it's, she's not full-blooded, she's a lab, great Pyrenees mix, but she's got, Gracie's her name, she's got the Pyrenees hair, and I mean thick, and you know how muggy hot it is. And so when it gets to be about this time of year, she has no desire to be outside. You'll open the door and she'll flop down and go, mm. She knows it's hot out there. Now there's one exception. She will endure the heat if there are small kids playing outside. She's got to be part of that action. If I'm outside, she'd forget that. But if one of the smaller kids is outside, she's got to be out there. Well, you know, if she's outside and you want her to, you've got to open the door and you want her to stay outside, here's the thing. You open the door just a little. Just a little, and all of a sudden you're going to find great pressure coming in. And sometimes I've found that's the, way it's, that's the way the devil is in the spirit. If I open the door to the devil just a little, I find she, that demon's in my life. Now, I don't mean I'm possessed. You know, I just mean he's, he's gained entrance. And how many of you know it's when you got pressure outside the door, it's easier just to keep the thing locked than it is to have opened it, and now you've got the pressure, and now you've got to work to get the thing out and shut. I mean, once she's in, and sometimes she's found a mud hole to lay in, and then she thinks, I'm going to get in where it's cool and lay on your couch. And she goes, But listen, this whole, uh, I almost said idea, this biblical spiritual truth of keeping the door shut to the devil is a real thing. It's a real thing. If you haven't found it out, I'm helping you. You're going to find it out. When you're young, there's a whole lot of divine help and grace, young in the Lord. But the more you grow and mature, the more God expects you to keep the enemy out. Keep the door shut. How does he get in? Disobedience. Disobedience. And so, see, if, I'm, if the enemy is in wreaking havoc in some area of my life, guess what's going to cause me? Pressure, trouble, frustration, difficulty. And a lot of times we're out here trying to fix the thing when it's you got to get the devil, the access out by shutting the door through repentance. How do you shut the door to the devil? Repentance, acknowledgement of your wrongdoing, your failure. And number two, getting back to obeying. then God will fix whatever's going on and that enemy won't have the access to your life. He wants. So that's number one. You need to make sure, amen, that you're not the source of your difficulty and adversity. Oh, that's probably pretty rare. No. You'll find, I think, I can say this confidently, you'll have more of a problem keeping yourself in line then you will dealing with the devil. Because I'm teaching you this about dominion on Sundays. When you're, what, when you're submitted to God and you use the name of Jesus, he doesn't have a choice. He's got to do what you say. But the Bible says uh, in the book of Proverbs, I believe, uh, that he that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. So if, you don't, if you're not exercising rule and dominion over yourself, you're like a city that's broken down without walls. You're defenseless, you're vulnerable, and you will be attacked. You need to stay busy, right? You'll be less busy if you get out of other people's business. 
Because it's a full-time job to keep the devil out of your life. <laughs> right? Okay. So, real quick, I want to just name four sources, I think, four sources of pressure. Where does pressure come from? Four sources. Number one, like I said, our own sin, our own disobedience, and our own lack of faith. You can face pressures and difficulties and all of that because of those things. Number two, the inevitable happenings of living life in a fallen world. Listen, your car doesn't have a devil because a belt broke. Hello? Uh, <laughs> you know, machines break down. Things are not perfect in this world we live in. Tires go flat. Shower valves break. Had that happen recently. And when the water's leaking, it goes into your, it goes down by gravity and ruins your living room ceiling to a degree. Pressure. Something to deal with. Difficulty. If nothing else, put that on the end of the honeydew list. Right? Things are not perfect. Things, right? Things, you're going to bump into difficulties and pressures and frustrations just by living in a world that's broken. That's, that's another source of pressure. Number two, or number three rather, is constant opposition and attacks of the devil and demons. Now, if you want to avoid this one, just don't do anything for God. Just be a do-nothing for, for God. But, if you're going to do something for God, when you say yes to God, how many of you know you need to say yes to God? If you haven't said yes to God, you need to say yes to God. That's the good life. But when you say yes to God, Dr. Summerall said, you also said yes to the opposition that comes with it. When I said yes to the assignment to build this campus, I signed up for all the opposition that came with it. And listen, in the midst of it, how am I supposed to think about all that? All that? Be of good cheer. Be confident. Be undaunted. Because I've deprived all of that power from its ability to hurt your life. And I've already conquered it for you. Amen. But I see this so many times. People see light. They're new believers and they, they're precious and they see light on tithing. They start tithing. And all hell breaks out on their finances. And they're back in front of me going, Pastor, I thought I was supposed to get blessed. You will. But the enemy sees you moving towards, you're moving in line with the Word, flowing with God. He didn't want the result to come out, so he's going to attack you. He is going to oppose you. Come to a church like this one. Just start, just start coming regularly. You're, gonna, you're, gonna, you're just going to come to a whole other level of opposition for the very fact He does not want you to hear what I'm amplifying, what the ministers here are amplifying. So He will oppose you. Should you just act in line with His opposition? What's the purpose of that kind of opposition? To push you back out. To get you off your direction. And if you let that happen, He won. You lost, and there will be a result eventually, a consequence, a loss of something because we cowered his pressure. So, the third type of source of pressure is opposition from Satan and evil spirits. All right? The fourth one is what I want to finish with. I have a few minutes left, and that's what I call the dealings of the Lord. Huh? Yeah. You're going, you and I are going to be led into places of pressure as God, as we respond to God's dealings with us in life. And you may not know what I mean, but you know what I mean. So you're a smoker. And God begins 
to deal with you about that habit. Now you're going to face pressure because of what he dealt with you about. He's trying to help you. He's trying to get you not to destroy the temple of the Holy Ghost and to suffer the invariable health consequences that are likely to come to people who treat their body like that. But if you're going to respond to His dealing with you in that area, guess what? You're going to have to deal with the nicotine. You're going to, have to deal with the, the discipline, the mindset. You're going to, right? And so if you're going to cooperate with God, if you're going to flow with God, right? If you're going to move with God, you're going to deal with the pressure that He put on you. you so you know what I mean. When he begins to touch an issue in your life, stop thinking like that. Stop talking to your husband like that. Stop doing that. Stop going there. Stop hanging out with them. And see, there's two-thirds of your being that will rebel against God's dealings. Your mind and your flesh will flat fight the dealing. And that's where the pressure... Right? If we would just... If, if our flesh would line up and our mind would line up and our spirit's already in agreement... Everything be rosy, but that ain't how it is. Right? Because your flesh wants certain things. And it seeks certain things. And we've fed it and trained it in certain ways. Yeah, Brent, thank you. Hallelujah. So do you understand what I mean? This is what I want to talk about a little bit. That there's pressure that comes as God deals with us. And we need to think right about that. We know that the opposition the devil brings, we need to resist, steadfast with our faith. We know that if we're the source of our difficulty, we need to get ourselves in line. Amen. But what about the dealings of God in our life? Think about the example of Jesus. Right at the very outset of His public ministry, what is the first public leading that he got from the Spirit after he got baptized? Was he not led by the Holy Ghost into a 40-day and 40-night confrontation with the devil? Was he not led by God to fast food for 40 days and 40 nights? Did he not face the enemy's attacks Lies, deceits, and temptations. How did he get there? He got there following the Spirit. Now, see, you need to think right about that. God's got a mentality as He leads us, right? Remember His mentality? His mentality towards His Son Jesus in that moment is the same mentality Jesus has towards you in our moments. I have already deprived that devil of all of His ability to harm you, Son, Jesus. And I've, right, I've already defeated Him for you. Just, just go in there and win. Yeah. I've equipped you. I've, you're right, I've empowered you. You've got the Holy Ghost now on you, Son. Get in there and win. That's why I'm led you there. To be the champion. And I know you're going to face pressure. But I led you there to win. Can you think of other times in Jesus's? God led Him to cities to proclaim the message and to minister in. And they hated him for it. They tried to throw him off a cliff in his own hometown. How did he get there? By obeying the call of God on his life. By following the will of God. By staying faithful to preach what God wanted him to preach. Come on, you think about Paul for a moment. Beaten. Robbed. Stripped. Left for dead. Put in prison. Shipwrecked. How did all that happen to him? Now, God wasn't behind it, but He told him way up front, at the very outset of His call, He told him and showed him how many things He would suffer for the Lord's sake. It was people that did it. It was the devil that did it. But God led him through it and led him into it. I wonder how many people would stay faithful to a call like that. But see, look at the kind of fruit that is produced through people who will. 
Paul's life and ministry still producing fruit. Every time you read something in the New Testament that he wrote, that he got that revelation, he was beaten for that. Satan opposed him for that. And in fact, if you read 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says that Satan assigned, a a messenger of Satan was assigned to his life and ministry to buffet him. Not buffet him, buffet him. That word buffet means blow after blow after blow after blow because God was exalting him through the revelations that were being given unto him. But see, he embraced that kind of pressure, that kind of trouble. And he said, I've learned. I've learned in whatever condition I am to be content, to be grateful, to be thankful. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. See, these are words that came out of the heart and life of a man who thought right about pressure. And the greatest conquest that you and I as Christians are going to do for God, come on, are going to be because we follow Him willingly, joyfully, gladly into places of great pressure. Now, let me just ask you, are you willing to go there? Are you willing to follow God there? Following God landed Joseph in prison. Following God landed Daniel in the lion's den. Following God landed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace. But, come on, they were all elevated, preserved, protected, delivered, elevated, promoted, delivered. Right? If Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had just bowed their knee, guess what? We wouldn't be talking about them today. We wouldn't know their names. But we talk about the victory. We talk about the victory. We talk about the miracle. We talk about the faithfulness and the power of God to perform such a miracle. But we can only talk about it because there were three men willing to follow God by faith into a burning, fiery furnace. Some of us can't get to church twice a week. If you can't get to church twice a week, how are you going to follow God into a burning, fiery furnace? And I know you're here. That was for folks on live stream. Are are y'all following me tonight? Hallelujah. Let me make this statement to you. I think it's good. We're talking about thinking right about pressure. God, in His dealings with us, He is not leading us with our ease and comfort in mind. Uh, That couldn't be the will of God. I'm not going back to that church. He preaches a strong message. Oh, that's probably the will of God, brother. Right? People think that the, the epitome, the goal in life is ease and comfort and no pressure. And they put the will of God on that because they think wrong about these things. And therefore, they miss the will of God for their life. And when you do that, when you kind of do that, that's a sad way to live because you're not going to have any faith adventures. Because you know what? People who don't want any... What about just the pressure of not seeing or knowing how God's going to save your tail? You know, God has led... He's led me. Led my wife into a place where if he does not move every few days for us financially, (laughs) it's not going to be good. But for, well, late November, what what would that be? What are we coming into this, finishing eight months now? Let's call it seven months. Every month, every month, every month. He is, and it's, see, but had we not, how did we get there? How did we get to this place where we need Him to perform financial miracles to keep us afloat? By following the leading of the Lord, by buying what He said buy, by moving where He said move, and doing what He said do. And you know what? He keeps stretching us out there saying, buy a nice car too, like an offensive car, like a, like a nice car. And your mind wants to go, Father! Amen. 
But see, if you live within the confines of your little world and your little paycheck and your little thoughts and you're never going to step out beyond any... You're never going to put yourself in a position where God has to do anything because you've got it all figured out in the natural, you're not going to have strong faith. You're never going to have strong faith. And where's God going to get glory? You can get all the glory. By living so small and living so limited. I'm not saying getting out there and living recklessly out of your head... I got here by praying in the Holy Ghost and my wife and I taking steps of faith and yes, we have peace for that. And listen, it's just been a miracle. But you know what? The devil just put pile on pile on. Okay, how about that need? And how about this? And how about repair that? And how about a storm? And now you need... Pressure. And I keep going back. How did I get here? Because if I'm the source of my... I'll stop this. How did I... Sell something. All I got to do is sell something make, make, make life a lot easier. But see, he is leading Amber and I in line with his plan of development for us in our faith. Right? In our faith, because he's got the plan of God for us. I remember all those years at Jackson Street. One of the first prophecies we got when we got hooked up with Dr. Dufresne is, uh, I need to pull this out and listen to it again. He said, son, you're going to have to stay out of your head. Because the, if God revealed to you in fullness what He's got in mind for your life, for your ministry, it would, it would just blow you out. So just stay out of your head. And I've tried to do that. But see, that's where, that's where we get in trouble with pressure. That's how you open the door up and the Gracie gets in. The, the Gracie devil gets in. You open your mind up to how are we going to make it? How's this going to get paid? How, you know, if, whatever you're facing. See, just don't go there. And if you go there, fight to get that thing back out, lock the, shut the door. You know what I mean? So God is not interested as much in your ease and comfort as much as he is interested in the development of your life as a believer. Because of the great plan God had for Joseph, God had to train him through some places of pressure. Right? Again, let me go back to the weightlifting analogy. How do you get more muscle on your bones? You've got to willingly put pressure on those muscles. But the one who says, I don't like how that feels. That's hard. Well, you're going to be flabby. And you can be flabby if you want to. Right? But I can do things some people can't do. Hello? Because I willingly ex submitted my muscles to the pressure of training. See, all these things that we've learned to do in athletics, in academics... Right? In the natural, in the mental, you have to apply to the spiritual. Some, some of you, you'd much rather go sweat and grunt at the gym than read a chapter of your Bible. Well, just grunt if you have to. Oh, I'm going to read a chapter. I'm going to pray for 15 minutes. I am going to come to church on Wednesday night. Exercise yourself towards godliness. That's what the Bible says. But I'm just trying to share with you really a precious thought that I've learned. If you're going to walk with God, you're going to have to learn to love pressure. He's going to lead you right into it. And see, you've got to understand how Father's thinking about it. He's not thinking about, oh yeah, we're going to watch him squirm. We're going to have fun watching Chris squirm. That's not what God led me into this, to watch me squirm, or to watch me sweat, or to watch me walk the floor at night in fear. He walked me in there knowing what his son already said. You go in there confident. I don't care what you face. I led you into it. I've already deprived that thing of any financial power to harm your life. And I've already defeated it for you. I expect you to win and have rest and praise God and have joy and do great things for me. See, a lot of times when you walk with God and you call God things hard, it's because we think wrong about it. We think wrong about it. 
I'm running out of time. Let me, let me give you a couple elements here. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Y'all okay? All right, am I helping you at all? Okay. If you're not dealing with any pressure, just hang out a little bit. Just buy the CD and keep it in your car because pressure's coming. And you know what? I, I, I have full knowledge of this because of my experience in walking with God. I'll, Amber and I will come out of this season, right? And it will all be proved out just like God said. And then we'll enjoy that for a while. And then God will say, okay, now. You climbed Pikes Peak. Let's get over to Nepal. I got another mountain for you to climb. I got another giant for you to defeat. I got another building for you to build. I got another kingdom project I want you to advance. I got another book I want you to write. I got another message I want you to preach. I got another level of the anointing I want you to walk in. Well, see, I'm talking about my life. What about your life? I mean, when was the last time any of you prayed in tongues for 15 straight minutes without stopping? Okay, you need to get to the weight room. Amen. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians 2.14, I'm going to read this from the God's Word translation. I like it a lot. Verse 14, Paul says, but I thank God. Why does, he, why does he thank God? He tells us, who always leads us, King James says, in triumph. Did you all find it? 2 Corinthians 2.14. Who always, the God's Word translation says, always leads us in victory. Sometimes, always. Don't you like the word always? I thank God who always leads us in victory because of Christ. Wherever we go, God uses us to make clear what it means to know Christ. What is he talking about? God leads us. There's a battle to fight. God wins the battle as we believe Him and trust Him and do what He says. And people watch and they're made to know what it's like to serve Christ. That's what our lives should be. Ron and Jackie, they get a leading. They step out. Satan opposes. There's opposition. There's challenges. God does something for them as they believe Him and trust Him that only God could do. And the battle is won, the victory is visible, and people see around their life what it's like to serve Christ. To step out on the water, to see God do something for you that you could not do for yourself. Right? I'm already, I'm already in my life driving a car I couldn't drive on my own. Living in a house I couldn't live in on my own. But God, because He led us, and then He did for us what we could not do for ourselves. don't have time to tell you about those miracles He did. And He's going to do another one to complete the whole transaction. Hallelujah. Here's what I want you to see real quick. Who always leads us in victory. Victory is attached to the leading. Victory is attached to the leading. So, know this, believer. When you obey, when you step out on His leading, right? There's going to be a battle. Not because God wants there to be a battle, but because there's an enemy and an adversary. and He's not going to just roll over. But God's not concerned about that because He's God and He's for you and He's for me. So He's going to lead you to step out and do something no one's done maybe for 50 years, 30 years, I don't know, have a tent evangelistic meeting in a rural area. Hallelujah. And there'll be a battle. But listen, don't ever forget, victories attached to the leading. And so for however, this is what I'm learning, however long, no matter how difficult, no matter how intense the pressure, no matter how impossible the circumstance, the end will be victory. The end will be victory because He always leads me in triumph in Christ. Always, always, always.
I didn't know it was going to take seven years to go from Jackson Street to here. I thought a year and a half. I boasted, nah, about a year and a half. Uh, no. Uh, no. Not because God was slow, but the enemy's opposition was fierce. And the pressure was intense. Let me tell you, the pressure was intense. But the end was victory. How come? Because He led me. He led us. All God needs for us in those times of pressure is, don't forget what Jesus said. Be of good cheer. Stay confident. Be certain. Be undaunted. Because I've already deprived that thing of the power to hurt, to hurt you and I've already conquered it for you. Amen. Don't you love that? Yes, for us. Mm-hmm. Don't you like it when things are done for you? Going to bed last night and I had Pastor Nancy's midweek service in California is on a Tuesday night. So I had her on listening to her preach and she, I'd never heard this. She made this statement, I was in my room praying and worshiping God and all of a sudden I didn't see Him but by the word of knowledge I knew Jesus came into my room. And she said, I just hit my knees, bowed myself over. And she said, the first thing that came out of Jesus' mouth was this phrase, you have failed many, many times. I can identify with that. You should be able to also. If Jesus showed up in your room and said, you failed many, many times. How many of you are going to say, yes and amen, you're a truth teller Jesus. If you're smart. But aren't you glad that's not all he said to her? He said, she was relating this last night. She said, you have failed many, many times. I never have. Then he went on and said, I'm inviting you. Share in my victory. Take my success as your own. Sure, we've failed many times. Our King, our Lord, our Master, our Savior, He never has. He never has. He, in all those conquests, in all that humanity, and He was tested and tempted in all points, yet as we are, like as we are, yet without sin. And He won every time. He's perfectly faithful, perfectly holy, perfectly. He's done everything perfectly. And in the midst of all of that, He says, now you share in that. Make my victory your own. In other words, he's telling Pastor Nancy and us, don't accept measures of failure because you've failed many times. I have never have. And my victory, I'm, these are my words, has been rendered to your account. In the world, he said, we'll have trouble. Be of good cheer. We know now why. Why we should be of good cheer. Because He has deprived that thing of the power to harm you. And He has conquered it. What's that phrase? For us. For us. For us. Let's stand up tonight. Aren't you glad? Did you get some help tonight? I know it's a little different from the direction we've been on, but it was what, it's, 